This episode of the Hoopercast is brought to you by Letterboxd. Right now, listeners of our show have the chance to win a free one-year pro account upgrade on Letterboxd. For those of you who don't know, Letterboxd is a social network for film lovers that allows you to track, rate, and review the films you watch. You can follow other members to get recommendations. You can publish lists of films like your top 10 for the year and a lot more. Letterboxd is free to use. There's no subscription fee, but a pro account is going to provide you with additional features such as a customized summary of your past year's viewing. If you already have an account, then you get a one-year extension free. So even if you're already paying for the pro account, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I don't need this. I've already got it. Thanks a lot, Hoopercast, for, you know, I already re-upped my subscription. You get a year free on us. So you're included as well. If you want to enter, all you have to do is listen to our show and we will read the code word at random. Then you're going to send us an email at hoopercast at gmail.com. Enter the code word in the subject line of the email and make sure you include your letterboxed username in the email so that we know which account to reward. If you send us the code word, but I don't know your login, we're going to move on to the next person. So make sure you send us the code word and your account username. And then you're in like Flint, my friend. The winner will be selected during the last show of each month. You can also follow our show on Letterboxd. Just search Hoopercast. That's letterboxd.com, L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com, letterboxd.com. It's the Hoopercast. I'm doing really super quiet tonight because I'm just recording this little intro before I go to bed. But the point is, it's the Hoopercast abridged. Um, we, we, or when I say we, I mean I, mixed up the dates for the episodes. We found ourselves one episode ahead. So Dustin and I are stitching together an episode for you tonight. A few reviews we were going to do anyways, but we're going to do them in pieces now because that's the way things work. So, um... Real quick, if you like this partial episode, you can actually get the full episode of this on Patreon, patreon.com slash supercast, $1 for the full episode, or you can just listen a week later. Well, I guess if you're watching YouTube now, then you can listen to the full episode on audio right now on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM, or any of those, or all of them, every single one of them over and over again until you die. That's fine too. It's, it's a free country. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, stay tuned for uh, later in the episode for more details on the code word for the letterbox promotion. But without further ado, here is Dustin here to tell you about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hey everybody, Dustin here. I just wanted to give you guys a quick review for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, this film came out in 2017. It was nominated for uh, two Oscars and uh, was written and directed by Martin McDonough, who you may know as the writer and director of Seven Psychopaths and In Bruges. Um, the film stars Francis McDormand, uh, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, and a whole host of other people. 
that you will undoubtedly recognize. Um, the film is um, really well performed, um, and uh, you know I think I, I think that's to be expected with. Um, the the Oscar clout behind it, um, I believe Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell both won Oscars for their performances here, and they both do give great performances. Um, so, what's the movie about? Um, very briefly, uh, the film uh, begins with Francis McDormand's character driving past. Uh, three abandoned billboards on her way home and she has this little idea um, uh, you see a few weeks prior her um, daughter was raped and murdered and the case has kind of gone cold it's not that the the authorities have forgotten or the case is closed but rather the leads have just kind of dried up so uh, there hasn't been much movement so she, of course, is still distraught uh, by the death of her daughter, so she rents out these three billboards and calls out the police chief, um, you know, uh, says something to the effect of, you know, why still no arrests, um, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, the point is um, she rents this out in this small town, um, word gets around, and, um, you know, very quickly people start to turn against her. Um, you know, it's a town where the police chief is well-loved and well-respected. Um, so, of course, her calling out the police chief in a small town uh, makes the whole town kind of turn on her. Um, not only that, but she has an ex-husband who has... Um, married a younger woman and so um you know you've got that drama you also have drama with her son who in his own way is grieving the death of his sister and you have uh the 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 relationship between the woody harrelson character and the sam rockwell character um woody is uh, the police chief and um, sort of a mentor figure for Sam Rockwell, who is a racist and um, you know openly tortures and um, beats uh, African American uh, people in the community. Um, he often arrests them and pulls them over for no apparent reason, other than the fact that they're black. So um, he's a very racist and flawed individual, to say the least. Um, and the movie does something really interesting with him, which I won't spoil here, but um, it does uh, sort of ask us if somebody like that is capable of garnering our sympathy. Um, likewise, it asks if somebody like Francis McDormand, who should have nothing but our sympathy, can go too far. Um, it also asks if the police chief, who should have our sympathy, he in fact, in one of his earliest scenes, he's seen um, uh, in conversation with uh, Francis McDormand and trying to uh, explain to her very briefly and, 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 uh, uh, compassionately that the case has gone cold and it's not that he doesn't care it's just simply that there's nothing more he can do and so we should be sympathetic to him and 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 yet we begin to unravel the layers of this of this human and find that maybe there was more gray area there than we thought and in fact, I think that's the case with all of these characters. Um, we are introduced to heroes and villains, and then uh, and then the line blurs. Um, so, so we, the audience, are asked to uh, sympathize with people we shouldn't, and asked to uh, uh, 
con- condemn people that we should be sympathetic towards. Um, so it's a really weird way that the the filmmaker um, Martin McDonough is able to um, present the gray area here. And maybe that's the the best thing I can say about it is that the film does that better than pretty much any movie in recent memory. Um, there are a lot of movies that trade in this uh, gray mentality. Now, me personally, I don't, uh, I don't tend to relate to those movies as as well. Um, you know, I like when the screenwriter has a stance on a character and and asks the audience to take a stance on a character rather than allow us to kind of flip flop back and forth throughout the film and say he's good, he's bad, he's good, he's bad. Um, and yet this works. Um, you know, this really does drive the point home that there's there's good and there's bad in every single person. And uh, good people are capable of bad things and bad people are capable of good things sometimes. So, um, you know, we're we're introduced to all of these gray characters. And, and um, so the best thing I can say about the film is that it does that better than any movie in recent memory. Um, the film's uh, a little slow. Uh, you know, I could see how some people might be a little bored by it, especially towards the beginning. Um, but I was riveted. Um, I thought it was a really great way of sort of slowly building uh, to something fantastic. And, and, and it, in a way, reminded me of a Western or, I don't know, maybe a Coen Brothers movie. But the point is, it, it felt like... Um, it felt a little bit like you you spend all of this time setting up and getting to know the characters so that by the time the climax comes around um you know you're well prepared um and so so it kind of can feel like nothing happens until the climax um but there are uh there are enough set pieces here, enough uh, you know memorable moments and and uh, driving moments throughout the story to keep you engaged and keep you entertained, even if you're one of those people that has a little bit of a harder time with slower films. Um, but the film is very dialogue heavy. It's very um, it is very much about. Um, uh, characters having conversations and characters getting to know one another and 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 arguing with one another. Um, so it, it's a very welcome change. Um, you know, I know on this podcast we tend to review movies that are a little more um, a little more like blockbuster films. You know, superhero movies and action movies and that kind of thing. And that's something that Hooper and I are both very passionate about. Um, and yet it's always good to have a nice change of pace and uh, have something like this that is a quiet, uh, slow, contemplative film. Um, and so so I really, really enjoyed uh, this film. It's a, 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 it's two hours long, but it doesn't feel that way. It really does feel like it uh, pushes forward. Um, I do think that maybe, like I said, some people might have trouble latching on at the beginning. It's a little bit slow, a little bit plodding, but you know, really, by the end of the first act, you're 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 moving along. At least I was. Um, so so I enjoyed the 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 length of the film. I didn't think it was too long. Didn't think it was too short. Um, and and I enjoyed everything. You know, with the small town. A lot of times, small towns come off as uh, Norman Rockwell esque or or really quaint or um, just a little kitschy. But instead, this felt like a real town. It felt like. 
Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't have like, here's the barber shop and here's the whatever. It was just kind of like, um, you know, any normal, real small town. Um, again, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those films that's well made throughout it. It, um, does not overstay its welcome. And it gives you something, uh, that you didn't really even know you wanted, which is, uh, good, um, slow, character development. Um, you know, I went in thinking, okay, this is going to be like a murder mystery. Who did it? We're going to, you know, chase the clues and find the bad guy. And really it's more about just getting to know the characters, um, and getting to know Frances McDormand and, and what is she thinking? What is she feeling? They make use of flashbacks even to, to give you insight into her psychology. Um, so it's a really great movie. Um, I was able to get this actually at the library. Um, you can find it at Redbox. Um, it is not streaming anywhere uh, at the moment, but it is worth your time. So if you're able to stop by Redbox and pick it up or even you know go to your local library and get it there, um, I highly recommend it. Um, I would give it four stars. Um, it, it's not excellent simply because it, it's... Um, maybe not a fun watch. Um, so it's not something that I'm going to buy and watch over and over and over, but it is certainly worth your time. Um, it is a smart movie. It's a well-made movie. There's really not much I can, uh, nitpick about, um, unless we're talking about the ending, which, um, you're either going to love or you're going to hate. Um, I hope you love it. Um, I thought it was pretty cool uh, the way that it ended, um, but you know I, I often think about various members of like my family who might see this film and and hate the ending, or um, you know friends of mine who who really would say you know, the the ending ruined it. But for me, you know, I thought it was a cool way to end it, um, and and I think it leaves a lot for you to think about and chew on uh, over the end credits and for the hours and days to come. Um, so so yeah, I highly recommend Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, it is a a like I said, it's just a well made movie. Um, you're not gonna split your side laughing, and you're really probably not gonna smile through it very much, but um, you're going to walk out having seen a good, well-told story. And um, for a movie like this, that's just, you know, that's your meat and potatoes. That's what you want. That's what nourishes you. That's what fills you up and it tastes really good. Um, so yeah, I'm going to toss it back over to Hooper and uh, you guys uh, enjoy your week um, and uh, get out to the movies. Yeah. Bye. Okay, well, thank you, Dustin. I'm going to take it from here. Hello, everybody, and continue on the Hoopercast here with a little review from me. Of course, um, going to remind you that if you are watching us right now on YouTube, this is a partial episode. It'll end for you in a little bit here, but there is a way to get the full episode, of course, by going to patreon.com slash Hoopercast, or you can find this full audio. <clears throat> if you're watching on YouTube, then this full audio is available for you right now on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, ooh, good bit amount of um, of uh, what you call them, platforms. Um, as a matter of fact, those platforms would be iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Castbox, Breaker, Anchor FM, and of course now Google Podcasts. All available there for uh, if you just search Hoopercast and then uh, they'll show up or something like that. That's how it works, right? Um, of course, if you want to. Uh, just stay with Patreon. That's cool too.
we always encourage that. Let's get into a review for me. Um, kind of uh, probably on the late side here. Some of you might still not have checked it out, but I saw it, and this is our show, and we talk about what we want to talk about. I recently saw um, It, um, the Stephen King remake film starring a good many people that you might not recognize, um, particularly this gentleman, Bill Skarsgård, as, uh, as, as Pennywise the Clown. Pennywise the Dancing Clown, as he says. Uh, this actress, uh, who is particularly good in the film, who plays Beverly, and then a bunch of kids, uh, chief among them being... Um, the kid from Stranger Things, one of the kids from Stranger Things, he's coming up, you'll see him in these gigantic glasses. Um, yeah, it's him right there in the glasses. He looks like a real dweeb in there. And that's the point. These kids are all good friends. Um, I think the year is 1983 or something, maybe. Uh, don't quote me on that. I don't have the info in front of me because I'm trying not to use my internet right now. But um, yeah, that is the group of kids. That's our group of misfits here, uh, the Losers Club. Um, but they are, uh, terrorized by these nightmares. Once, um, the, uh, the guy in the plaid right there, um, his, uh, kid brother, Georgie goes missing. And, uh, and of course, if you see the beginning of the film, we, the audience know that Georgie is dead or presumably dead because he is pulled into the sewer by Pennywise, the dancing clown. And a year later, no one's found him. There's a bunch of other kids have gone missing, um, and it's real creepy stuff. Um, <clears throat> and all these kids in some form or another are, um, starting to see more of their deepest fears, um, in kind of these nightmarish scenarios. Um, and they are all, they learn that these fears are all manifested by Pennywise, the dancing clown, who is a thousands of year old demon, um, who eats children and he takes the form of their greatest fears, um, to, uh, you know, scare the shit out of them. And, um, and that's the plot of this film. Um, this is of course a remake. Um, there was a real campy, not that scary looking, I haven't seen it, (laughs) scary looking version of this, of this Stephen King novel. A lot of people have read the novel. They've told me it's really great. Um, so, uh, I trust those people. I want to read it someday. I'm trying to read some more, um, that's just not things, that's just not one of those things that happens for me these days, uh, quite so easily. Um, this film is a three star for me. I did not see this in theaters. I saw this in a red box. Um, and, uh, so I didn't pay that much for it. I definitely think it's worth a red box rental. Of course, that's the only way you can see it now, obviously, or you could purchase it, but, uh, it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, I give it three stars. Now, this is kind of where it's like, okay, so is that recommendation for horror fans or non-horror fans? Look, I treat all viewers like they're me, because um, that's the only perspective I can give you is is my perspective. Um, see, an image like that is terrifying of this clown. You know, Pennywise is, is scary. Um, Pennywise is scary, but there are too many jump scares in this movie. I was a little disappointed because it does really well with implied... Um, <clears throat> it does very well with implying it's 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 violent it's not it's violence it's um it scares but it it sort of cashes in and does a bunch of jump scares and while those can get people to jump and it makes makes the film seem like it's scary um the bar, my bar for a horror film is higher than that i can make any my, my my son jump scared me earlier today okay he just came up behind me when i wasn't expecting and he tapped me and he said boo 
I did that to him the other day. I'm not a scare master. I, I jump scared him. I, I messed with his reflexes. That's what a jump scare is. And it's cheap. Um, anybody can do a jump scare. It's easy with a, a, a sharp music note or a sudden jump cut or uh, just a, a quick camera movement and then boom, there's a person there. But if you do like a slow camera movement back to a character, back to like the picture you saw there a second ago, and there's something behind the character that wasn't there before. Well, that's scary because you, as the audience, know like, oh, something's out of place. That's there's not supposed to be anybody else in here. That's creepy. Um, the film sort of doesn't reach uh, as high as I think it was capable of. The, everything's here. Uh, Pennywise is here, and there are some parts of the movie where it's very much um, implied and well built tension. And they sort of do these jump scares, and it's just kind of it's disappointing. I don't want to harp too much on that, but it's just like, come on, man. You know, you've got you've got real good slow builds in here for sure. Um, the kids were fine. They weren't mind blowing. Um, some of them were kind of like, no, what's his face? The, with the glasses from stranger things, he was kind of annoying. I was, I was kind of sick of him. Um, everyone else was pretty good, especially, um, God, Bill, I think his name is Bill. He's the older brother. Who's, who's brother, whose brother Georgie was killed. That kid was good. Um, you know, one or two, a number of these kids have an arc. They obviously all have some kind of arc. Um, I'm most impressed by um, the actress who plays Bev. Um, she's really good. Her character goes through a lot, and um, she's easily the most complex of all these kids. And um, I particularly was uh, was impressed with her performance. Um, but too many jump scares f- for me. Not because I'm a wuss, because I expect more from my movies, and that's just the way things are. Um, the next film I saw, um, was, uh, what's it called? Whiplash. Um, just let me give me a second and I can get the pictures up here for you. Whiplash is a 2014 film. Um, and it was, uh, directed by Damien Chazelle, who you, the name maybe you recognize from, um, uh, La La Land. Uh, before that he did Whiplash. Um, and it is a film about, um, a drummer. I think he's a student in Juilliard. I'm sorry, guys. I don't do plot. I don't, I don't bring. I don't pull up the plot in front of me and read it. I just do this from memory. I believe he's a student at Juilliard, um, and uh, he's trying to be a um, a jazz drummer. He practices really hard. He practices late at night. He spends all his time drumming. He's dedicated to drumming. Um, they go into some stuff later in the film about why he has to prove that to his dad because his brothers go his glory for doing this sort of basic, or not basic, but generic like you know scholar athlete stuff. Um, and they're not even excelling that good at it. Meanwhile, he's bleeding all over this drum set, busting his ass, trying to become the best drummer that he can be, which is an admirable quality. So in the beginning, I mark my words in the beginning, you like this kid. Um, then he meets JK Simmons. Okay. Who is a mean son of a bitch who is, um, an instructor there. Um, and he sort of drafts miles Teller into like his intermediate or his advanced class or whatever. Um, and it is a school of hard knocks. They will practice for hours until one of the rotating sets of drummers can can maintain the pace. Um, he throws chairs at people. He verbally abuses people. He's very, very he's he's abusive to these kids. No question. He's he he. There, there, nothing is off limits for this guy. But he brings out the best in them, and that's kind of what the movie's all about. It's almost about like, well, what's the line? Is it is it okay to to act like a like an abusive asshole if you're drawing the best performance out of somebody if that's the way you get the best out of them then um then is then is is the good performance the net positive that's sort of the moral quandary that the film poses um 
This is a really well executed film. Okay. This is a 3.5 star, uh, 3.5 stars. Okay. Three and a half stars out of five. It's a, it is, it is a well executed film, extremely well. The editing is completely on point. The score, everything, it's a very musically driven film. So of course the editing is really driven by match cuts on, uh, on sound cues. And that is, um, that's certainly something that's awesome to see. Okay. I can appreciate that as, as someone who, who can, I can appreciate rhythm and I can appreciate when, uh, when a film, when a film's director pays attention to that too. Um, the problem is I hate this main character. Okay. He does not change. That's another thing I hate. I hate him. So in the beginning, I told you, right? I like this kid. Okay. I like how hard he works. I like how dedicated he is. I, I appreciate that he has a goal. He wants to be the best. And, um, and he's sort of like surprised and humbled and kind of like, Oh, you know, when he's bumped ahead of the more experienced dude to get on the drums because he's better than him but after a while, whether it's, you know, due to the influence of JK Simmons, um, he turned, he gets kind of cocky and it's fine. Cause it's like, okay. Cause he's punished for being cocky eventually. Right. Um, but the film ends and he's, 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 he's changed. All right. But he's just, all he's done is become a bigger asshole. He's a bit like this final number here. He does when it finishes. I thought, okay, that was really good. But it's also like, man, you didn't, but you became the best, but it sort of cost you your decency as a person. In my opinion, that's, that's what I took away from it. So I hate that. And it makes me not want to watch the movie again. Uh, the points are for JK Simmons and, and the direction of Jamie, Damien Chazelle in this film. Okay. JK Simmons is phenomenal in this film. I think he got nominated for an Oscar. I, he might've even won for supporting actor. He's great in this film. So this film is definitely worth seeing for the, for the, the pacing, the direction and, uh, and the performance of JK Simmons. But if you want to see a character that you like at the end of this film, you're not going to see one because they, he ain't there. Okay. It just, just, just the way it is. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's whiplash. Uh, great film. Uh, but I have no desire to see it again because that dude right there, um, just angers me on a, on a personal level. Um, I don't have any pictures for this next film, so I'm just sort of just going to kind of go off my notes here, but uh, I did see a film, a documentary on Netflix called, uh, the truth about alcohol. Um, this is a, uh, this is a documentary on, on Netflix. I think it might've been some sort of British TV special. It's one of those, it's, it's 58 minutes. It's not a very long, um, uh, film. It's called the truth about alcohol. And, uh, I don't remember the filmmakers. Once again, I'm doing this off, off the cuff. So, you know, you're just going to have to forgive me. Um, but the direct, the, the filmmaker is going through the documentary, basically challenging and sort of investigating and, uh, and myth busting all the, um, the myths around alcohol consumption. Okay. So if you have ever been curious about that, this is kind of a cool film to, to sort of, to watch, to kind of explore, um, that, um, you know, that, that subject. Um, I recommend it if you know nothing about alcohol and you're too lazy to read words. Okay. Because I've wondered one here and there like, Oh, can alcohol this? Is it, is it, does alcohol make your sleep, make you sleep worse? How does it affect this person? How many, just a bunch of little light tests like, Oh, what's the best way to get over a hangover? Just, just some alcohol stuff. But if you've ever wondered those things, chances are you've Googled it like me, 
but if you're too lazy to actually go into articles and look at the wiki how of uh, how alcohol affects the brain or how alcohol um, affects your circadian rhythm or how um, alcohol affects your um, motor skills, um, how, how alcohol affects you on an empty stomach versus a full stomach or beer versus wine or wine versus whiskey. Um, if you're too lazy to read that, then fine, get on your Netflix account, go check out the truth about alcohol. Um, but it's just a lot of shit that I already knew. Um, but it was presented pretty well. Um, so you probably already, again, you probably already know most of this information, but, uh, it's shot nicely. It's real polished. Um, the guy is British. British accents are lovely. Everyone he speaks to in the film is British. So it's kind of, it's real, uh, it's quaint in that in that sense to, to just everyone's oh yeah we got the, we got the whiskey haven't we it, it's it, you know i can't complain about that um the best thing about it though is indeed the short run time because this film cannot could not carry uh, a 90 minute or a two hour runtime it's just a real short documentary so i, I still give it three stars because again like i said it, it's competently shot the the images are nice hd you know it's it's you know good good shots in it i guess i don't know that's not a pun trust me um okay so now we're going to say goodbye to the youtube people um if you want to see the rest of this video podcast um or video show whatever you can go to patreon.com slash supercast okay all it's going to cost you is a dollar to see the rest of this video show um you can get the full audio, of course, right now on uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, all of those podcast distribution platforms, but there's something more to video. And I hope maybe you realize that after watching this video up to now, it's just better to see a person and listen um, instead of just listening. Just listening's fine. I love it. And if you like to just listen, you can go just listen to the show. I, I love that as well. Um, but if you appreciate um, the work that goes into making these videos, Go over, become a patron for a dollar a video. You don't even have to pay for everyone. Just pay for the ones that where we're talking about something you're interested in hearing about. Um, you can also donate just a dollar a month to the page. Just support us in a general sense. That's really great. We're going to start doing some audio commentary soon over there. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but there certainly is nothing wrong with consuming the show in all of its free formats. I'm not going to be mad at you. Um, I certainly understand. So, um, Farewell to the YouTube people and stay tuned uh, for just a second, uh, the Patreon folks. All right, the final film of, of, this, uh, of this episode that I'm going to review is I did a review of a film I've already seen. That's what a review would be. Um, I wanted to give a fair shot to a film I used to own and I sold because then I didn't like it. Um, and I rewatched it recently just to, cause I could have a more mature take on it. And that film is the girl with the dragon tattoo. This is from 2011. This is directed by David Fincher it stars, Daniel Craig, Rooney Mara, um, Stellan Skarsgård, um, Christopher Plummer, a number of other folks, Robin Wright. Um, and I, I rented this at the library I don't think you could find this at Redbox or anything. So you can either go on iTunes and rent this or it's probably at your local library. It's recent enough to where it should be at your local library unless your library sucks. Um, so this is a film based on the um, the, the book from Stieg Larsson, really popular book series. Um, this was pretty well anticipated when it came out in 2011. Um, David Fincher is a really prolific and competent, very talented director. And uh, these are great stars. Um, 
And uh, this uh, this was going to be a great trilogy of, of these films because they had previously been made into movies over um, starring uh, Numi Rapace. There's the um, the Swedish versions. So this was going to be the American, you know, version, although they still play Swedish characters, obviously true to the uh, the the um, source material. But they were going to be acted by, you know, actors that the Hollywood it, it's going to be produced by Hollywood. Um so, um, of course, it wasn't just a cash grab because you got all these great people involved. So, um, but for some reason, this um, the franchise didn't get beyond this film. I'm, I'm not sure if that was a box office thing. That's kind of where Dustin's absence right now is felt in this episode because Dustin would be able to tell me right now what happened. Um, so I'm assuming it was box office related. Um, but uh, this is a 3.5 for me. Um, this is still really nicely shot and really well acted and directed. There's really real tension and all the, um, in, in the, in the, um, this, the sexual assault, um, situations with, um, with Rooney Mara's character, Elizabeth Salander. I'm um, sorry. I'm so sorry. The plot of this film is that guy right there, Mikhail Blomquist played by, um, played by Daniel Craig is a journalist for a, um, for a magazine in, in Stockholm, uh, that he co-owns and he just lost a big libel suit against a real rich guy. And, um, and he's got to pay him a bunch of money and he's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously a black mark for a journalist. If you lose a libel suit, you write something that's shown to not be true or to not be really that well researched and you sort of get nailed for it. Then of course, you know, it's going to be going to have a hard time getting people to read your articles. So that's what happens to him at the beginning of the movie. And, um, he gets, uh, grabbed pretty early on by Christopher Plummer to work, who's a fan of his work, regardless of the libel. And he also knows that he's in a vulnerable state as a disgraced journalist. He needs the work. He needs the money. He's not got that much else going on. And he enlists him to help investigate the disappearance of his daughter from about a long time ago. I think it's like 40 years, maybe that she's been missing. So he wants him to investigate it just just get him some answers because he's been unable to find any. Um, so that's kind of what where the film sort of starts off. Eventually, he um, you've also got this other character, Elizabeth Salander, who's this hacker. She's a ward of the state, um, probably a little mentally unstable, um, who's got her own storyline of trying to gain independence from her her um, her guardian, who's this really who's who's this abusive. Her well, her main guardian's not abusive. He's a good guy, but they kind of move her to another dude who starts to sexually abuse her, and I I think it's suggested that it's happened before uh, with her. And so a lot of the film that guy right there, um, a lot of the film, a good bit of the film starting out for her is getting out from under his thumb. Um, so again, like I said, nicely shot, well acted, and really well directed, but it's pretty damn slow. That's its big thing is it's boring. Um, a film that's well shot isn't typically that boring, but there's a whole lot of silent moments or quiet dialogue free scenes in this movie because it's people investigating stuff. So there's not a lot of talking. And that's good if a filmmaker can can show you all this information without having to, to, to have people spitting exposition at each other. I'd much prefer this film um, to other ones where they'll just talk information at each other that two characters wouldn't actually say in a real conversation. I, I certainly prefer the nonverbal storytelling. Do not get me wrong. It's just not very well paced, I guess. It's just, you got to give me something to, to pay attention because it's after a while, it's real easy just to, to drift off to sleep, at least for me. Um, 
now it's really slow until Mikhail meets meets Elizabeth and they kind of team up and then their their relationship becomes this really awesome team up that I, I really enjoyed um, seeing but that takes like an hour um, to, to get to that point and so I would have liked for this franchise to continue because obviously going forward in future movies they I haven't read the books but I presume they continue working together or they team up again so it'd be really satisfying to see that their relationship continue to develop especially how it ends at the end of this film um, so it really sucks that it fell apart because I I would have liked to have seen more um, but they just, I think they just announced some other like unofficial sequel to this that's being made. It's, it's completely being retaken out of the hands of Fincher and Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig. And that's a shame because it's always a shame when they have to reboot a franchise and when they do it so soon after a not bad attempt at it, it's always like, that's, it sucks. It's wasted potential. So I wish it had continued, but we don't all get what we want. I suppose that's going to do it. I think that's uh, that's where we're gonna leave this episode. Um, just that's just the kind of week it is. Oh, if you didn't, the code word for Letterbox is still uh, oh, what is it? Jitterbug, Jitterbug. So this is the last time you can um, email us that code word for the Letterbox extension, and we're gonna have a new code word next month. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, everybody who's listening. Tune in next week. We'll be back together, me and Dustin. Um, I can't remember what we're, we're talking about, but it's gonna be cool, whatever it is. So thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Get out there, go see some good movies, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye.